Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Working Change Podcast. This is Nate. And I'm Marla. And uh, this is going to be part two of our uh, depression podcast. This one will be particularly about like kind of the treatment or the process of maybe working out of depression or supporting people with depression. Right. Um, I'm going to say first, I have a cough. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Story of my life for the last couple months. So I apologize if I'm like sucking, if you hear like rappers and whatever or not, I've got cough drops going. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Disclaimer. So, sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll just go ahead and jump into this. If you haven't listened to our previous podcast, you may want to listen to it. It's about 30 minutes long. It's just, it's all about kind of the contributing factors to depression. Right. I don't know that anyone, I haven't heard anyone like really confidently say we know for sure this is the cause of depression, but there mm-hmm. are certainly factors that, that contribute to, um, to why people develop depression. And we also talk about major depressive disorder versus uh, persistent depressive disorder. And, and there's some other distinct, right. distinctions as well. Sometimes people are postpartum. Go, <clears throat> yeah. Things like and, that, and, or and, situational. And, mm-hmm, right. Right. And so we, we talk about like, so kind of some of those differences. Our main focus right. was on major depressive disorder. And ultimately we, we, we talked about three, like kind of the big three contributing areas to depression. Right. Mm-hmm. The first being biological or genetic. So the, those factors that are like internal, as far as our, our inner workings of our, of our body and, right. and our, and our, you know, genetics, things are passed on from, from our parents. The next being in the environmental and social factors right. that mm-hmm. can contribute to depression. And then the last being psychological, psychological being related to uh, how we think, how we process data, how we um, experience and work through stress, things like that. Right. So that is, uh, that's where we left off last week. This week, we're going to talk about um, the treatment and we're talking about, th- we're going to have kind of three big focuses on this one. Right. First being the treatment for the person that's going through it. Right. Second being the support that someone can give to someone experiencing depression. Mm-hmm. Third being the support that people that are trying to support those with depression can give themselves. Right. Which I think all are very important. Life doesn't happen, hopefully, in a vacuum. So, mm-hmm. you know, you are dealing with other people around you. And so, you know, if I'm depressed, I have a spouse that needs support and needs to figure out how to support me and how to support myself or you while you're dealing with me being depressed. Yeah. 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 And we talked about some of these things ahead of time and you know, you, you went to some really good resources. I disagreed with some of these things. So you'll get a couple of different opinions. So my (laughs) disagreed with me. Well, I did. It's not you. I disagreed with some of the things that, that, well, and I'm okay with that. Do you know why I'm okay with that? Why? <laughs> You're like so low. No. <laughs> I don't know. I'm okay with it because I really truly believe that depression is very unique to each person. Absolutely. There are, you know, totally it, agree it, with that. it's not going to fit. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't a cookie cutter like here's the stamp or the cookie cutter and you're going to be okay. You know, each person will handle and have different triggers and different things that that they're going to need to get through their depression. So, some of the things that I will mention today may not work for everybody. Right. You know, you got to pick and choose and you got to kind of work through it. Yeah. And, and, and so for me, my, like what I'm going to bring to the table today is going to reflect much of my experience. 
you know, having been diagnosed over 20 years ago right. with major depressive disorder. And my, sus- I mean, it's not just a suspicion. I, I clearly meet the criteria for persistent depressive disorder <laughs> yes, as <you> well, <laughs> which sometimes is called double depression where, you know, you have this kind of persistent depression and right. then you'll fall into these even deeper holes, which is like the major depressive right. moments. And then, you know, obviously you want to come out the other end of that, but you don't necessarily recover all the way. You just kind of end up back into the persistent depressive state. So that that's what I experienced for many, many years. Um, so I thought the best place to start would be for those that are experiencing depression, what can they do? Yeah. And I I kind of broke this down into into man, it seems like we're we're all in threes today. <laughs> I kind of broke this down into into three Three's a good number. <laughs> yeah. Three things, uh three categories. So, so again, this is reflecting my experience, things that I found helpful. Right. Okay. And not everyone will find all of these things helpful. So you have to I kind agree. of work, through, okay. you know, work at this from the idea that some of these things will work. Some of these things may not work. Figure out what, wor- what works for you and then, you know, go with those. Now, we're a whole being. So I like the holistic approach. There could be mm-hmm. multiple factors. So this is an attempt to hit as many different factors that could be linked to depression as possible. All right. Stop teasing me. All right. So <laughs> first, see a doctor. Um, okay. In this case, I'm talking a medical doctor, someone that can prescribe medication. There's a lot of evidence that the right medication can be helpful for people. Some people do not receive relief from medication. In fact, some people will just try and try and try and try and they, they just right. cannot find anything that works. For people that have really severe depression and nothing seems to work, it's called treatment-resistant depression, mm-hmm. um, there are alternatives. So there's one thing that I never tried but that I'm aware of where they'll actually stick like electrical probes like into your brain and use that to stimulate so electroshock therapy. Um, yeah. So it's, it, yeah. So it's similar to that. Mm-hmm. I was reading an article from my alma mater. They'll, they'll, they'll email me occasionally. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they were saying that they're currently working on some treatments related to, um, to therapy. It's not probes into the brain well this isn't what they were doing in the early 1900s this is something a little bit different and it's safer than what they were doing in the beginning when they were experimenting i mean that sounds bad even by itself when you're experimenting Mm -hmm. with it but it's a little safer so this is stuff that has science backed up to it but they don't start there they typically start with medication right and these are experiments so they're trying to figure out like does it help right. you know how many people does it help out of our experimental group right. and and so things like that anyway some of it looked promising yeah. so mm-hmm. so it's a form of of uh, electromagnetic therapy is what they were using and uh, and and it looks like it might have some some promise so that's you know that's all kind of housed in this medical arena mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it's important to see a doctor also because you may have other issues going on right. medically that you're not aware of that also have depressive components to it. You know, you you could have uh, diabetes or, or other things that could bring you into a depressive state mm-hmm. that once you get those things fixed, you feel better. I know that like you've had, am I going to open up? <laughs> am I dropping what? dimes on you? <laughs> Pandora's box? No, it's fine. You can talk about it. Um Where you've had some problems with your testosterone levels, Mm -hmm. and that has also lifted your mood. Um, So it's important, I think, to check our hormones and and other things and to just get a really good medical back 
you know, right. So, so we're looking for two things from our doctor. One is, is there a medication out there that might be helpful? Mm -hmm. Don't, don't expect the medication to fix this, but it might be helpful. Well, and don't expect maybe the first medication you try to fix it either. Right. Be really honest with your doctor, Mm -hmm. you know, tell them this isn't working or these things are working because there are, are several medications you can take. Right. Right. So, so part one of seeing a doctor is the medication. Part mm-hmm. two of seeing a doctor, get lab work done. Yeah. Um, see if there could be underlying medical issues that could be uh, related to your symptoms of depression. Uh, as you mentioned in my case, testosterone right. was determined to be way low and they put me on testosterone replacement therapy and I, and I immediately saw improvement in my, my depression anxiety. Right, so, exactly. Um, so that's that's the doctor. So that's part one for the okay. that's doctor. Number two is see a therapist. And I understand I'm biased because <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a clinical counselor. Well, if they don't want to see you, they can see me. <laughs> How's that? Sound? There's a lot of great therapists out there. Anytime you can get a specialist is is good. Yeah. So people that really know depression well is is um, I think a good place to start. Depression's a fairly common ailment. Yeah. Well, I came across one figure that said in 2017 that 17.3 adult million – let me try that again. 17.3 million adults in the United States had depression in 2017. Right. So it's a huge number. Yeah. This isn't something that's rare. Right. So if you can find somebody that that either – you know, treats it frequently or has mm-hmm. had it or, you know, has kind of a good plan to, uh, to help people work through their depression. That, that's always a good place to start. Yes. And, and fit is always important with therapists yeah. as well. So, you know, there's a few things to consider, but, but if you can, if you can find someone, they're available, you can afford it, get therapy. That, yes. that can be very helpful. Go to the, go to the doctor, the medical doctor, mm-hmm. get a therapist. What's okay. the third? So the third is lifestyle changes. Oh. Yeah, these are the these are the hard things that yeah. maybe we're not doing in our life that we don't necessarily love. So, um, so for example, I I tried to put an easy one right at the at, at the top. Okay? All right, I like easy. All right. So for most people, try to make sure you get at least seven and a half or more hours of sleep a night. So that seems to be a pretty a, a pretty big number, and and. Yeah. When I was looking into it, I was talking actually with a guy that I went to school with, and he was mentioning that um, he was reading a journal article that said it seems like it takes about seven and a half hours for cerebral cortical spinal fluid to like wash over our brain. So literally, you know, you take your car to get a car wash. Mm-hmm. Every night when we're sleeping, we're getting a brainwash, and it, and it seems like it takes <laughs> about it. seven and a half hours for that whole process. So All right. that's where that number came from. He is like, I I believe in it. And, and I've seen if I don't get seven and a half hours, yeah. like I'm like dragging. So, and that's the minimum. Right. <laughs> Some For, of us may need a little bit more. Well, Our car washes are a little slower. So. Yeah. I say minimum. I mean, everybody's body's different. So you that have is to figure true. out what, you know, what right. your body wants. But, but if you wake up and you're doing, you know, six hours every night and you're, you're just not feeling right, you may need to oh, try boost it up a, a different bit. number. Yeah. Okay. So the next one, and this is one of the most difficult ones when you're feeling depressed, in my experience, is exercise. Yeah. Because when, for me, depression was a state where I was very tired mm-hmm. a lot. It didn't matter how much sleep I got, how much sleep I didn't get, I was always tired. And and, and you so, just want to stay in bed. Yeah. You're, you, know, <laughs> you know, it's warm, it's safe. And yes. I mean, it's not nothing, nowhere safe when you're feeling super right. depressed. But it's way safer than going outside. Right. Um. So if look if if all you can do is just go on a short walk, that's better than nothing. Yeah, just I agree. Start small. Get yourself to a place where you can improve. Mm-hmm. So get your body moving. 
the next one is going to be clean up your diet. Aww. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Look, we all we all love our hamburgers or our, you know. Our, Chocolate. You know, I'm a big Chick-fil-A fan. <laughs> Everybody's got their thing. I yeah. get that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying you should never eat that. What I'm saying is that should be kind of more of a rare no. thing. I've certainly, when I saw, uh, I went to a new psychiatrist a couple of years back, and it was the first thing he mentioned when I was diagnosed with ADHD. You got to really watch your diet. Right. And when I when I did better at cleaning up my diet, I noticed I felt better. And I noticed it too. Yeah. Yeah. So food is fuel. Yeah. Yep. So you can probably see from the first three of the lifestyle changes, like those are all related to kind of like our physical state. Right. Mm-hmm. So sleep, exercise, and diet. cleaning up our diet. So um the next two are related more to say people. Okay. So the first is going to be find opportunities to be social. And I am an introvert and I know yep. I'm an introvert and yep. I've always known I'm an introvert, but I have been surprised if I, as I have tried to be more social, I've always viewed myself as awkward, socially awkward. And so as I've tried to be more social, I become a little bit more confident in the fact that maybe I'm not as awkward as, as I once thought. Right. And maybe I've gotten a little bit better in my ability to socialize and maybe I'm just totally lying to myself. I don't know. It could be, you know, all sorts of different things, but I do enjoy people. I have, I have, you know, I have to take it in, in doses. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm never going to be the life of the party. I'm never going to be somebody. Well, never say never. Well, I just don't say that, but I mean, I guess maybe. <laughs> your, your brain could be lying to you. Yeah. So, you know. Um, so ultimately with, with this, we're looking for opportunities to be with, with friends. Yeah. With, if family is all you've got, you've got a few close family members, you know, be with family. Just reaching out to one person is good. Yeah. You know, if that's all you can handle, just reach out. Right. Right. We need connections with other human beings. So that, that's, uh, the, uh, that's the fourth one on the list. So the fifth one, this one's probably another one that's, that can be challenging, looking for opportunities to serve. And okay. serving can you know look a lot of different ways. It doesn't mean you have to like call up the, the local food bank and say, hey, I want to come over there and serve food or give groceries out. Right. Now, if you want to do that, wow, that's right. amazing. Yeah. Most of my experience being depressed was that was way beyond what I was willing to do. Right. So, so what's a good example of somebody who's super depressed and – well, doesn't have a lot to give. So in my experience, like like one of the things that I enjoy, you're you're excellent at baking and cooking and things mm-hmm. like that. And around the holidays, you bake all these amazing treats. And I, I really enjoy putting together a cookie plate and and I'm not even putting it together. I'm just like coming up with a few <laughs> names and then just giving it to someone. So I'm gonna bake cookies for everybody who's depressed. So if you wanna like drop me a line. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying it doesn't have to be anything. No, major. you're right. Like if you if you are gonna make some bake something, and, or somebody else is gonna bake something, and you want to go give it to someone, or just go with someone to give it to someone, just something you can do to put a smile on somebody else's face. Like we sometimes need it's that. just saying hi to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Going and checking on somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, there were so many times I was depressed, and I called somebody else, and I was like, "How are you?" Yeah. Not let's talk about me, but like, "How are you?" Yeah. And boy, did I feel better after that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that when we're really stuck in these dark places in our mm-hmm. lives and then we look out at someone else and realize sometimes other people are stuck in these dark places yeah. too. You know, it, it's weird. It's like that saying, um, misery loves, loves company. company. <laughs> it's almost like, okay, well, I'm not the only person that feels like I'm, you know, the weight of the world is on me and I'm bringing everybody down. Right. 
Right. So, um, so those those two, as you can see, are probably are kind of more related to other people. Yeah. Um, and then I have two others. Uh, one is going to be, and these two are going to be kind of more related to the psychological. So the first okay. three were related to kind of the like physical. the physical. The second two were related kind of like social environmental. Mm-hmm. And then the last two are going to be related to, to psychological. Um, the first being like finding the positive in our lives. And it could be kind of like finding gratitude. Some people actually enjoy gratitude journals. And it can be really hard when you're in a dark place to find even the smallest bit of light. Yeah, but I agree. I mean, if, if you have to go to, well, at least I didn't, I'm not living a hundred years ago where my bathroom was outside. Like I, yeah, then whatever do that. you can do, um, to find some kind of positive. One thing that, that, um, that I read in, in a book, I really like Buddha's brain, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if I've mentioned or not mentioned. I probably have mentioned on this podcast, which, which was, um, the psychologist that was written by a doctor and a psychologist and the psychologist that was writing this particular chapter mentioned, he tries to get his, his clients that he's working with to not attribute something positive they do to luck or chance and to like kind of savor that moment. So if something good happens in your life, especially if you do something good mm-hmm. and you're, and, and you have this kind of positive. So if I get a hundred percent on my test, mm-hmm. I should just own that. Maybe I work my butt off. Even if you feel like you didn't own or, or that you didn't work as hard as you could mm-hmm. have, like that's an accomplishment. Yeah. Don't chalk that up to luck because that fits into your belief system that you're broken right. and that good things don't happen to you. Like, like we want to be as fair as we can with our thinking patterns. Okay. So, so finding the positives in our lives. And then last I have giving ourselves grace. And this can be, again, really difficult really when hard. you're in a dark place and you don't feel good about yourself because you don't feel like you deserve grace. Oftentimes, I felt like I was bringing everybody down. The world would be better off without me. Right. People that were around me didn't really love me. They were they were there just a waste was, of space. Yeah, because yeah. they were, you know, they were duty bound. And, and, and it was such a, like, toxic way of thinking. And I'm not right. saying that anybody has a toxic mind and is broken to this thinking this. I'm just saying that's what I experienced. And I went looking back on that feeling more healthy. I'm like, wow, that was scary. Not a yeah. good, not a great way to think. Does that mean? So I'm kind of trying to tread lightly here because I'm aware that some people listening might be very depressed and might be thinking, holy cow, like I, I can't even think right. Right. It's not just that you're not thinking right. Like we just have to to try new and different things. And maybe if you try new and different things, you might be able to come out of this in a more positive place. I was able to. Well, and I realized that like when I met you, you were depressed. Yes, you were going through a depressed. depressive episode. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling you some of those things and you were just, you pushed back. I hard. couldn't hear it. I was like, it was the really world is beautiful. You. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm looking out my window and I'm not seeing anything beautiful. Right. So, so you know, I guess that segues into this part we're, we're going to talk about, which would be, what do you do when you come into contact with somebody or love somebody or know somebody who's important to you that's depressed? Mm-hmm. How do you support them? You know, and I went through and I looked at um, several different places to just kind of glean different ideas. Um, I looked at psychiatry.org. I looked at Psychology Today, the Mayo Clinic, the Cleveland Institute. All of them had NAMI. Mm-hmm. Um all of them had really great suggestions, and I kind of just put together a mashup of a pile of what they said. Uh, they said the first thing that you can do is 
um, encourage the individual to stick with their treatment. A lot of times when people are depressed, they just want to give up. They don't want to take their medication. They don't want to go for that walk. They don't want to get out of bed. They don't want to shower. Um, all the good things that you just mentioned to do, they don't want to do them. Yeah. So encouraging them to stick with the treatment is good. Um, they said the other thing is, is to be willing to listen and to empathize. Listening is key. Like they don't need judgment. Or advice. Or advice. They need you to listen. Mm-hmm. I think you've told me once, you know, or twice or a million times that sometimes just getting them to talk and, and keeping them talking, just being curious and asking questions. Mm-hmm. And not like I'm going to grill you asking questions, but just tell me about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a come from a place of curiosity. Yeah. yeah, tell me more. Tell me more. How, what is that like? You know, those kinds of things. Um, giving them positive reinforcement is good. If you see them doing something good, like if they got out of bed and took a shower, you know, Give them a high five for that. Hey, I love it when you take a shower. That's great. Like, this is awesome. If they take a shower and they come out wearing clean clothes, you look great. Yeah. That's a positive reinforcement. Right. If they go on a walk with you, hey, thanks for walking with with me me. and talking to me. It makes me feel so much better. Like, I really appreciate your help. You're helping me. You know, this is great. It's good for them. It's good for you. We want to keep those things going. Exactly. Um, The other one is to, like, offer them assistance. Um. You can look at this like, you know, you're going to learn together and you're going to grow and go on this journey of depression together. Um, so grow with them in that way. Now, the next one is like creating more of a low stress environment. Like if you live with this person, there are things that you can do. Or if you are a good friend, you can bring in a meal every mm-hmm. once in a while. Depressed people don't cook for themselves. It's incredibly hard. They may not even feel like eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so bringing in a meal might be nice. Organizing medication. Sometimes when you're really depressed, you can't remember if you even took your meds and then you're just like, whatever, I'm not going to take them. So like a pill box or whatever. Um, organizing their house in some ways or figuring out how to do chores. Now I, I want to also just be careful here because like sometimes we can enable people. And I'm not saying that we like enable and we go in and we do everything for this person. I'm saying we offer assistance, which means that I'm going to help you so that you can help yourself easier. Sometimes these tasks look really big. So just giving like a portion of that task and helping them with a portion of the task might be enough to get them to do the remainder of the task. Yeah. And this is one of the areas that I kind of struggle with. Like to me, some like, like I look at what I'm capable of when I'm, when my mind is well, Mm -hmm. and I look at what I'm capable of when my mind is not well. Right. And, and it, I mean, you wouldn't expect someone that just had a stroke to go on a run with you, right. you know, if they've, if they've got all of these physical issues. So I think that like the expectations can be a real, a real challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and so the idea that, that those of us that are helping other people that are struggling, yes, it sometimes can be frustrating, but hopefully our, you know, our love and our devotion and, and desire to see them get better will, will help us to, to, to push through that. Ultimately, <clears throat> If you can remove your expectations, realize they're not at the place they were when they were like high performer or whatever. Right. You know, so that that they have an opportunity, they have space to work through what they're going through and lift themselves back up. My experience has been while I feel maybe briefly lifted by people, it's not sustainable unless I'm lifting myself. Well, that goes into like what uh, the next section that I was going to talk about, which is like really be patient. Mm -hmm. This is a long haul thing. It can be. This is not necessarily like I'm going to go make you a meal and they're going to feel like a hundred percent better forever. You Mm -hmm. know, it's going to take a lot of little things to get them where they need to be. So in that, you know, maybe helping them find a local support group. 
Um, NAMI is a really good resource for that. It's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And they have a lot of support groups for both the individual suffering for depression as well as the family member. Mm-hmm. So find that, you know, and, and maybe even, you know, having that conversation of allowing, of letting that person like know that help is not a weakness. You know, them receiving help from you doesn't mean that they're weak. It means that they're strong. You know, they need to be able to um, receive the help. You know, a lot of times when we're depressed, we don't want somebody to help us. Right. And I think that that goes back to that idea that like, I'm a burden on everyone right. and people's people who are, are typically functioning at a high level are willing to both give and receive right. help. And that's what we kind of want them to, to start to experience. More. So the next two suggestions, the last one too, are the, they, they mentioned that spiritual participation. So spiritual participation in that, like maybe if you have a religious background or if you find spiritual um, guidance, some other way, do that. Like you know, re-engage with that. Right. Like, you know, if you find nature really uplifting, you know, those things. Re-engage with that so that you can have that positive influence. There's lots of um, journals that say that spiritual participation is good for your mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing would be, you know, just make plans together. Sometimes having something to look forward to is enough to help with the depression too. Yeah, I agree with that. I know that you said you always look forward to my phone calls. Your phone call? Oh, when we were dating? <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> Thanks, Nate. Thanks for supporting me. Um, so what do you do for yourself? You know, I know that like I've dealt with people who were depressed and um, it can be draining. Mm-hmm. It can be really hard to watch a loved one suffer day after day and not want to get out of bed. And it can be frustrating when you try to give and they're like shutting you down and they're telling you to go away. And, you know, they're telling you you don't understand and they're – all this, all this stuff is coming at you. So what do you do for yourself? I would say the first thing you want to do is probably learn about depression. Learn about that individual's depression specifically too. Do they have major depressive disorder? Do they have persistent depressive disorder? Post-traumatic. What, what are we dealing with here? They look different. Right. So with persistent depressive disorder, what you might experience is someone that's just kind of blue. Mm-hmm. They can function, but they just are, they just not really that happy. Right. With major depressive disorder, you, it might be more related to inability to, to function in even small ways. Right. They may not get out of bed. You know, they may not do anything all day. Mm-hmm. Like they're just in. They're in a funk. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> not even a well, funk. <laughs> way beyond a funk. Like, right. They're in a very, very dark place. So learn about that. Learn about what depression looks like. Learn about the cues, the different types and the ways that the depression is affecting that individual. And then the next thing is take care of yourself. You know, you're no good to anybody else if you're not taking care of yourself. So they suggested, you know, exercise yourself. Practice mindfulness. Journal. You know, you're dealing with somebody who's got a lot of, uh, you know, it, it could cause a lot of strain on the relationship. Where are you going to offload that? You're, you can't go to that individual necessarily. So journaling might be a really great outlet to get some of those feelings out right. um, in a positive way. Because if you're going to a third person, that person who's depressed may not love that you're like offloading all this stuff on, on another person, unless it's your therapist. You know, yeah, yeah. I I think ultimately, you know that that is the idea of self care, which we all need. Right. And and when you're depressed, it's difficult to practice self care. So, you know, we you've you've talked about this analogy you like, where they tell you when you get on a plane, if there's a problem with the oxygen, put the oxygen mask on your mask right. on yourself before you put it on your child. And and 
truly that is the idea of self-care. Like we take right. care of ourselves first and something like, oh, that's so selfish. Well, but this is like, you know, for a spiritual person, it's, it's, it's prayer, right. it's meditation, it's, uh, it's Having exercise. Gratitude. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the doing something thinking. enjoyable for yourself, taking right. a night off and going out with your friends and, mm-hmm. you know, instead or whatever, getting enough sleep, like you said, mm-hmm. I mean, don't stay up all night and, you know, pace the floor. Get a good night's sleep so you can right. deal with it again the next day. Right. All I mean, you can mm-hmm. say all the lifestyle changes that yes. I threw out there are are all self-care. And, and truthfully, if you're living with that individual, it might be easier if you do it together. Like I said in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. You know, take that journey together in some ways. Um, the next thing I kind of mentioned before, which would be like, be patient. You're not, you cannot fix this. You are not fixing the other person. Mm-hmm. You know, you're there to support and to help. But they're going to have to fix themselves. I, I look at this like a medical professional. If someone yeah. came in with a bad cut and you're a nurse or a doctor, you know, you would stitch it up. And so that stitching is helpful. is helpful, but ultimately their body repairs itself. So and it's going to be a long journey. It, maybe, it can be. You know, yeah, it can be little by little. With. Yeah, it can be. You know, um, so just be patient. Be patient. I heard there was one individual I was reading their account and they said that, you know, their parents love acceptance and patience meant the world to them while Mm -hmm. they were going through their depression. That's what an individual needs to be loved, to be accepted, to have somebody be patient with them. Um, The other one I think you bristled up when I was talking to you about this was um, what I, what they called assertive communication. And I'm not talking like aggressive as assertive. I'm talking about communicating with somebody in that you are taking ownership of your own feelings. So it's, Getting rid of the finger pointing, you know, you always do this. And why are you acting this way? And turning it back and saying, I'm really concerned about you. I have been noticing this. Um, so I'm worried. So it's talking more about your own feelings versus the depressed person's feelings. Yeah. And, and, and I get that. For me, the challenge related to that was, was putting on somebody else the fact that you are experiencing distress because mm-hmm. of what they're going through. When when someone is in a state where they're that brittle and they're struggling that badly and sometimes they're just hanging on by a thread, like when the people most important to you are speaking to you in a way that is it sounds like they're saying, well, I can't enjoy my life at all because you're going through this and it's all yeah. about you. And, yep. and even if they're not using those words, but anything where where their brain can grab a hold of it and be like, man, I'm really bringing people down around me. Right. That's the thing you have to be very cautious of. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, the other thing that they noted was like being able to set boundaries with somebody who has depression is, is really good f- for the person who's the loved one. You know, just saying – Letting them know what you're able to give. You know, I can talk to you after the kids go to bed and we can discuss this. Mm-hmm. Or um, I can call you at this time and we can talk about this. But, you know, that way they know that they're not like, you, you, you can't call me like in the middle of the night kind of thing. You know, somebody may try to, to use you more than you are willing to give. And so letting them know exactly what you can give, I think is helpful. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that both of you are are knowing how much can be given in this relationship. Um, I think one more thing that I came across that, you know, isn't like a cheery thing, but suicide was mentioned. Uh, If you're dealing with an individual that is depressed and they are talking about harming themselves or harming somebody else, sometimes the best thing to do is to call 911 and to get them help. Um, That is one area that you probably should not like just wait 
and see how it is. You know, there are individuals that do need immediate help mm-hmm. for that yeah. and to take that seriously. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, in our profession, people come in sometimes and that's, you know, we have to, to assess, you know, for whether or not these people are feeling suicidal right, right away. Um, and usually we, we institute kind of a safety plan. Mm-hmm. So if, if you can create a safety plan with someone, even if they're not feeling depressed, but just so they know, Hey, you can, you can reach out to me at any time and, and, um, you know, if it's a phone call or a text and, and maybe my phone's on silent overnight, like write me a big long, e- like email or text right. about what you're feeling and all these things that are, that are going on with you. Um, anything you can do, cause you want to delay the, you don't want them to do something impulsive, right? like, like an impulsive act when we're feeling terrible can be disastrous. So if we can put time and space in between that feeling of wanting to do something impulsively that could be very dangerous you know, if, if it takes five, 10 minutes for you to write an email, maybe that creates enough space that by the time they're, they're done with that and they put all those words on the, on a piece of paper and it's like, okay, maybe I don't want to do this. Right. That, that could be, you know, that, that could be enough. So, um, I think it's important for people to understand they are beautiful and amazing, mm-hmm. but you don't feel that in those moments. And, and so hopefully, um, well, and that's the interesting part. There's a, there's a real disconnect there. Mm-hmm. I remember when I met you, I, I kept, just kept thinking, this guy's a really neat guy. And you just weren't seeing it. Like, and uh, no matter how much I told you that there was a good thing about you, you were like, uh, uh-uh, I'm not seeing it. Yeah. See it's it. hard to see it. And it's really hard to see. So there, yeah. w- there will be this disconnect that people mm-hmm. need to, to realize, you know, your loved one is really struggling. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that was a good synopsis. Thank you on <laughs> how we can help others and ourselves. Yeah. And if you want to get a hold of us, I'm uh, working change coaching at gmail.com. If you have any questions, this is something very near and dear to my heart because yeah. it's been frankly my existence for quite a while. And um, I feel very grateful that I'm not there now, but I do understand many of the difficulties that, that go on with it. So if you need clarification on a thing, if you want more information, if you want, you know, some of these resources, please feel free to reach out to us. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, we can certainly get that information to you. Definitely. Thank you very much for listening. And until uh, next time, until next time, take care.